Hello, and welcome to Zoom with Zardi. Uh, today is Friday, April 29th, and we resume after two weeks off because we are talking about redistricting once again here in New York. Uh, my good friend Jeff Weiss is my uh, guest, my interview. Uh, he's uh, one of the nation's foremost uh, redistricting uh uh experts he's been on our show many times we haven't talked to him since december and that's because we have uh been waiting for this moment uh now that we have a final decision on the uh anticipated court case uh and a now a bifurcated primary um and what that all will mean for as we have to restart the elections for the congressional and state Senate maps here in New York and have two separate primaries, one on June 28th and one on probably August 23rd. We're waiting to see uh, a lot about this and I'm not gonna comment much until I get answers from the court. I will tell you, I'm very concerned. Um, I think that this was a, um, a decision made. Uh, I'm sure the justices felt it was a, a proper decision, but. I'm not sure they took into account the election timelines that need to happen to have this August primary, something that we've never seen here in New York State, and having such a short window between the June primary and the August primary. So we uh, we have a lot of work to get done, and uh, we're going to have to see how we get this done uh, and and be able to uh, you know hold these elections um, in, in a proper way. So, but we do have a great. Uh, interview with Jeff Weiss. Uh, we go into why the court uh, made the decision it did, what are the implications, and perhaps what are the implications going forward uh, in New York, uh, and whether this uh, process uh, needs to be reformed before 2030. Hint, it does. So enjoy my interview with Jeff Weiss, professor at uh, the uh, the New York Law University and one of the state's foremost experts on redistricting. Bye-bye. And we're back with my good friend, Jeffrey Weiss. He's been on our program several times. He's a professor with New York Law School and one of the area's foremost redistricting experts. And boy, did we need to talk to you today, uh, Jeff. Thank you very much for coming back on Zoom with Zarni. No, it's a pleasure to be with you today. So I'm sure you've been on a ton of different interviews uh, and you're you're making the rounds, but explain what happened on Wednesday. Uh, what, you know, what changed on Wednesday and where do we go from here? Okay, well, what happened yesterday was that New York's highest court, uh, the State Court of Appeals, handed down a decision in a very sharply uh, divided court. It was a, um, a four to three decision among the seven judges. And they the majority ruled that the New York State Legislature did not have the constitutional authority to enact congressional and state Senate redistricting maps in February. Uh, the court further ruled that the congressional plan that the state enacted was a violation of one of several uh, criteria in the Constitution, uh, the one that fault being a, uh, uh, a ban on 
favoring or disfavoring political parties or candidates. The court reinforced a lower court ruling that the plan benefited Democrats and uh, harmed Republicans. So the court then remanded or sent the case back to the lowest court level, the state Supreme Court, where one judge in Steuben County in Bath, New York, uh, along the Pennsylvania border, the Southern Tier, uh, is being tasked with uh, redrawing the, uh, the Senate and congressional districts uh, so that a new primary can be held for the Senate and uh, congressional districts probably on August 23rd. Now, the, the state assembly plan was not challenged. So since it wasn't challenged, the court couldn't invalidate it. Had it been challenged, it likely would have also fallen. But the assembly lines that were approved in February uh, that candidates have already qualified to uh, you know, run for this year will remain intact. Uh, so where we are now is we have a, uh, a special master, uh, a, a nonpartisan expert from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, uh, hired by the court to draw these plans. Uh, we've already passed the deadline for uh, the public to submit congressional maps, but uh, the public will have uh, a, until I think someday next week to submit Senate maps, either a whole state map or single district maps. Uh, but the bottom line is that uh, there's a public hearing on submissions Friday, May 6th. Uh, the court has to receive the maps from the master. His name is Jonathan Servas by around uh, May uh, 16th. I think on May 18th, uh, the court will uh, allow for public comment critical of those plans. And it all comes to a, a close, the finale on Friday, May 20th, when the court will finalize the plans and most likely he'll adopt whatever the master submits. So, wow, we are really kind of in an undiscovered country right now, aren't we? So we've never had an August primary in New York before, if I remember, or at least not in my uh, lifetime of... Not mine, not mine either. So we've never done an August primary before. We're looking at May 24th at the earliest. Well, I think they just uh, issued an order. It's now May 20th, right? That they're going to have. Right, May 20th is the deadline. So by May plans. 20th, we'll have the deadline. But all of these candidates in both the congressional races and in the state Senate races, uh, incumbent or not, none of them are now qualified for the ballot. Is that correct? That, that's the, correct. The districts have been invalidated. So all the time, the effort, the cost uh, that's gone into qualifying to run, you know, has been um, really has been uh, invalidated. And what's most likely to happen next is that when new maps are out, uh, candidates who might not live in the districts that they filed for in the first place, uh, will have to go back out and circulate petitions. You know, people have asked me, well, uh, wouldn't those parts of a district that were in the main part of the district already you know, have qualified, but there's no way of knowing where these districts will be, whether a new district might have included two thirds of the old district, 
And if you petition, uh, you know, district-wide, and there are signatures from all over the district on the piece of paper, you have to go back and check to see where each person lived, that this could be a colossal, huge undertaking that I don't think is practical. Uh, so in all likelihood, candidates will have to begin the process all over again, probably with a shortened calendar and fewer signatures, but that's up, with the, up to the court to let us know. So yeah, that, I guess that's my next question is, I mean, you're an expert in redistricting, you've helped out uh, the National Association of State Legislatures on redistricting, so you've seen what's happened in other states. Is there any uh, thing out there either this year or in previous years that this is like that we can draw some uh, precedent from? No. No. It's the opposite. No, uh, New <laughs> York is the only state this year or after the 2020 census data has been delivered where a court has invalidated the election process after petitioning has started, after uh, um, challenges have been filed. Usually what happens is, and this is the federal court policy, is that you should not interfere with an election once it's gotten underway. What happened, a good example is what happened in Alabama. Although I don't agree with what the, you know, the, the specifics, the Alabama legislature enacted a congressional plan that a three judge federal court panel found violated the Voting Rights Act. It did not create the proper number of districts where black voters can elect their preferred candidates. And two Donald Trump federal appointees supported that position. And uh, the state of Alabama appealed that decision to the US Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said it's now March or February. So this is about a month or two ago. And even though Alabama's plan was held illegal under federal law, we're not going to let the um, that hold back the state from using that map this year. And then we'll hear the appeal later this year. And maybe Alabama will have to draw a new map for two years from now. But even if the current map is illegal, we're going to let it be used. What happened in New York is the court said, you know, we understand that there's uh, that you know, the, the process is so far along, uh, that candidates have qualified, that voters have signed petitions, that people have a good idea now what the districts look like, but too bad. The, the state legislature passed a plan that we think was egregiously violative of the constitution. It was a partisan gerrymander. It favored the Democrats over Republicans. And we don't think the voters should vote for candidates based on those lines, even at this late date. So- Oh, oh go ahead, keep going. So New York will survive this. Um, the court said that we used to have two primaries before, although then it was a June primary and a September primary. Uh, but uh, the court said, you know, uh, the public can live with this. In the meantime, you know, the people who work at and run the boards of elections, the candidates, the public, the media, everyone is wondering what is going on here. This is the first time this late in the year that everything is just thrown out the window. So and that for the very best of reasons. Yeah. I, and I want to get into the differences between the congressional and state Senate rulings, um, because I, I, I do think, and maybe I'm wrong, I do think that the they ruled the congressional maps as uh, partisan gerrymands, but they really 
uh, didn't rule the state Senate maps as partisan gerrymanders, did they? They more ruled yeah. it because of a process issue. Can you explain what that process issue that they- uh, Well, sure. I'll just mention that the trial court, uh, the state Supreme Court in New York has a trial court, the Supreme Court, the appellate division, which is the middle court, and then the court of appeals, the highest court. And the trial court and the uh, appellate division found that the congressional plan was a partisan gerrymander, but that the Senate plan was not. The Senate plan was fine. But what happened was the plaintiffs uh, filed their uh, complaint over the congressional and the Senate lines, not the assembly lines. So what the court did was hold that because the so-called independent redistricting commission <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, voters approved in the 2014 constitutional amendment to draw plans for the legislature to consider and enact into law failed to do its job. The commission, which was appointed by the legislative leaders, but had a Chinese wall between them uh, for, for most of the, for the entire process, they're walled off from each other. Uh, the uh, commission could not even agree on at the first set of lines for the Assembly, Senate, and Congress. Instead, uh, they submitted separate competing Democratic and Republican maps. And in January, the legislature, as part of the process, voted them down. Then the job went back to the commission. They were supposed to submit a second set of maps or a second set of competing maps or to submit something. But instead, by late January, the commission imploded. There were five Democrats, five Republicans. They couldn't agree on what to do. They basically stopped meeting and it just fell apart. And the court held yesterday that because this commission didn't do its job, which was to uh, send a second set of maps to the legislature, then the legislature did not have the power to do its job and finish the map drawing and to draw uh, either accept the second set of maps if there had been one set or to then in a third round draw a map of the legislature's own choosing so the legislature basically said look uh, this commission has failed to do its job it's still our responsibility to enact a, a, you know, a redistricting plan and they went ahead and did that and governor hochul signed the plan on i think february 3rd and later that day Republican plaintiffs went to one of the bluest uh, counties in the state, Steuben County, and filed a lawsuit. There were three judges who sit in Steuben County, so they knew that who they were getting, and they got a Republican conservative judge who uh, basically, at his court level, uh, not only invalidated the plans, but also ordered that the legislature itself come back and draw new plans by uh, April 11th. But that decision was put on hold. Uh, the appellate division heard the case. The appellate division held that the the legislature did have the right to enact the plans, but that the congressional plan was the partisan gerrymander. And then the Court of Appeals went back further and said, no, not only was the congressional plan a gerrymander, but the legislature had no authority to draw Senate and congressional lines to begin with. So we really got three different rulings from three different courts. We had the first court in Steuben. You said Lewis County, but I think you meant the reddest county in, in, in New York. Red, I'm sorry, the red, reddest county. Uh, I'm, looking at your, I'm looking at your blue background. Look at my I'm new sorry. background here. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, um, 
So the Steuben County judge said all three plans are out, even though they didn't, uh, um, you know, sue on the assembly land. Then the appellate court said only the congressional plan is out. And then the appeals court said, well, the congressional plan is out, but the Senate state plan is out because of this process issue. So right. is it possible that the special master will look at the Senate plan from, um, from, from the legislature and say, this is not a gerrymander and I accept this as that plan or make minor tweaks? Or are we looking at the state Senate map getting a massive redraw like the congressional map is probably gonna get a massive redraw? Well, the state Senate plan was one that reversed many decades of Republican gerrymandering. There were major uh, population uh, malapportionments. The, the Senate plan going back to the 1960s uh, was drawn specifically to favor Republican candidates. And the plan that the Senate and Assembly uh, enacted in February balanced the state so that every Senate district was equally populated. It didn't underpopulate rural districts upstate or overpopulate uh, urban districts downstate, so as to give the Republicans an advantage up in upstate rural areas. So the, um, the Senate plan was a good one, and the special minister can give every due consideration to the uh, state enactment. And uh, the Senate Democrats, it's really incumbent on them to uh, show up as public participants, as witnesses, and, and advocate for their plan. You know, the master might tweak things here and there. It's obviously the Senate Democrats drew some districts to ensure that their own incumbents lived in the districts. Um, but those are minor tweaks that uh, uh, you know, wouldn't change the complexion of the entire Senate plan. Uh, and the Senate plan has allowed a little bit of more leeway in the populations of the districts, whereas for the congressional districts, uh, there'll be a redrawing. And because congressional districts have to be equally populous or the same number of people district to district with a difference of literally one person, that when you change one district, you're going to change other districts. So there'll be more of a domino effect in the congressional plan depending on which districts the special master decides to you know, make, uh, let's say, fairer to the Republicans. So, yeah, obviously we don't know what the special master uh, is going to do, but let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, Jeffrey Service is his name, I believe. Jonathan uh, Service. Jonathan Service. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word special master, they you know, the lay person thinks, what, what, what kind of title is that? You know, what, why is he so much better at drawing maps than say anybody else? So can you talk a little bit about Jonathan Service? How is he well-respected? Does he have a, a good reputation? Has he done this before? Uh, and, and is there anything we can glean from his work from before? Sure. Well, he uh, received his doctorate at the University of California at Irvine, where he also received his master's degree and his bachelor's degree at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, he worked uh, for uh, one of the most senior uh, experts who serve as special masters uh, in Virginia, in, in um, uh, Utah in recent years. Uh, 
earlier this year, he worked as an advisor to the uh, Pennsylvania Redistricting Commission, where their task with drawing uh, a balanced fair plan. Uh, I've known him for several years. Um, he is completely objective. He is nonpartisan. He is unbiased, and he will likely develop a plan based on objective principles that won't favor anybody over anything. Uh, he'll probably look at more of the uh, criteria, like keeping communities of interest together, uh, respecting minority voting rights, uh, that the state courts have really not taken much consideration of. But um, I expect he'll do a very decent job given the, uh, the task he's been given. Uh, the, the court did not appoint uh, a, a diehard Republican who has an attitude towards drawing plans you know, um, his way rather than the other way. Uh, Jonathan will do a very fair, objective job. And even though the judge may be Republican conservative, judges rarely, I've never seen a judge reject the uh, map product that the special master that you know, he appoints. It will look bad for the judge as to what did you hire someone you don't trust? So that, yeah, that was my next question. So uh, uh, Professor Service is uh, going to draw these maps, submit them to the court, and that's it. There's no vote of the legislature. There's no- No, uh, and that's very surprising because years ago, the US Supreme Court held that when a plan is invalidated, you have to let the legislature have first crack at fixing it. If they can't do that, then yes, the court could step in and appoint a special master. Um, in fact, 10 years ago, when the Democratic Assembly and then Republican Senate failed to agree on a congressional plan after New York lost two congressional districts after the 2010 census, a federal court stepped in, hired a special master who drew the plans that New Yorkers have been voting uh, for members of Congress on since 2010 through 20, from 2012 all the way through uh, 2020. So... All right. So, I mean, it looks like we have some path forward, although I, I took great umbrage to the what the appellate court or the Court of Appeals said about that they understand it's a tight timeline and but they believe they can get it done because I don't believe they understand the timeline of and I felt like that was something that uh, was lacking in the testimony that election administrators were not asked uh, to give some thought of how we'd go forward because even if we get the maps on May 20th, we're looking at one of the shortest windows to for petitioning to, uh, uh, even if they shorten the time of petitioning, we're looking at one of the shortest windows uh, in my time as an election administrator from petitioning to uh, the time of election. And I think, I'm not sure how we're gonna get this done you know, in the because we got to do redistricting after it gets um, after it gets uh, done by the court, then we got to go in through do redistricting at every county level so we can provide lists so people can get on the ballot. Is there any chance, any thought, any talk of alternative ba ballot uh, placements? Not getting petitions, but like filing fees or certificate of nominations from parties or anything like that. That would be up to the state legislature to change the uh, you know, the ballot access laws, which, uh, unless there's a constitutional conflict, 
Um, courts have often shortened the of signatures. Uh, one suggestion I have for you, since you serve as a an elections commissioner, is to find a Republican colleague and on, on uh, Friday, May 6th, drive over to Bath, New York, and tell the court that you these, these are the obstacles that election administrators ac across the state are going to face, that you can't turn around on a dime. I even heard today uh, talk of pressuring the court to uh, enact the plan in time so that there still could be a congressional and Senate primary in June, which would basically mean new lines, uh, May 20th, a petition period, and then uh, with, a, with a challenge period and all the different kinds of things you have to go through before you can certify a ballot. And I guess you're, you're, you're certifying the assembly, the governor's race, lieutenant governor's race on uh, Wednesday, May 4th. Uh, and now to be thinking of trying to get that whole thing done within a month's time, uh, that's a bit crazy. But people are, you know, have these ideas. Uh, my sense is that uh, you will probably need to adapt to a shortened petition period, fewer signatures or you know, fewer time frame uh, in order to conduct an August 23rd primary. August 23rd being the last day to hold a primary in order for New York to comply with the federal overseas Voting Act requirements so that service personnel abroad uh, can get their mail ballots in time. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at like July 8th. It's the time period to start sending out absentees. And if that's the case for the August 23rd primary, we'll be actually certifying our June primary while we're actually starting to canvas ballots for the August primary. Again, not something we've ever done before. Well, the court needs to be told that, frankly. And the court is not entertaining uh, here uh, testimony uh, on Zoom. I'd also, you know, suggest that election commissioners, and I urge you all to be bipartisan in this, uh, even send a letter to the court, letting them understand that even if you sped things up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, well, I, you may have just given me some homework, Jeff. Uh, so. Uh, uh, what um, now? Thinking about the failure of this commission, uh, the independent redistricting commission that it, that has been put out there, and I take great umbrage at that word "independent" being part of this because they were political appointees, and it does seem like it was designed to fail. It seemed like it was put in place in 2014 in a way that when we had a time of divided government where Republicans controlled the Senate and Democrats controlled the assembly, that if the commission failed to <coughs> then the legislature was there to take it over. And it does seem like knowing that the Democrats control the legislature, the Republicans just refused to be engaged in the, those second maps in hopes of a court takeover like we're seeing right now. It, am I mischaracterizing this? I'm not trying to put motives no. in them, but it, it does seem pretty uh, convenient that the only way maps were going to be drawn that, um, you know, that Republicans had input on was to scuttle the commission and hope the courts uh, intervene. Well, after the commission imploded or just fell apart, both sides pointed fingers back and forth with each other. And that went on for one or two days, and then the commission just disappeared, literally. Uh, but 
what happened this year uh, can definitely happen again in 10 years. And if the same thing happens again, then the legislature is removed from the process because if the commission can't get its job done, then the courts take over. And that's a terrible precedent. What has to happen next is once the dust settles this year, and I'm sure there'll be other surprises and things that haven't happened yet that we'll learn about, more lessons, the legislature needs to uh, take a step back uh, and figure out a way to amend the Constitution to change this commission so that it isn't caught up in these uh, procedural votes uh, dependent on who controls which chamber, uh, that it has an, uh, an odd member tiebreaker, uh, and that the, uh, that the uh, amendment be trustworthy enough amongst the voters that they'll approve it. So if you recall, last year, the legislature tried to amend the Constitution to clean up a lot of the sloppy, weak, and misguided language that Andrew Cuomo and the Senate Republicans put into their amendment that we're living with now back in 2012. Uh, but if the legislature now under democratic control can simply clean up the voting procedures, clean up the, uh, the, the criteria, uh, and, and not try to do anything that's seen as partisan, we're not going to end up in the same mess. I'll give you an example in New Jersey. Uh, they have separate commissions to draw congressional and state legislative lines. Each party nominates four people, so you have eight commissioners. But then they have a nonpartisan or an independent uh, um, 10th, uh, uh, 11th member, rather, uh, or ninth member. They, they have an odd number so that one member will be able to break a tie. If New York can have a tiebreaker so that there'll be a vote one way or another, or, or at least a majority vote uh, with people who are truly independent, then we can avoid what's happening this year. It's also important to note that of the New York members, eight of them were appointed by the legislative leaders. Uh, that means each leader, the speaker, the Senate leader, the two minority leaders, each appointed two people. That makes eight. Those eight people had to pick two additional members, um, neither of whom could be Republican or a Democrat. So what they did is they found an independent who sided with the Democrats and a conservative who sided with the Republicans, which made it 5-5. Five, five. If you get people that are not chosen by the partisan appointees, but who are uh, chosen independently, like the way California does, or the way New Jersey picks its chair, uh, then you're going to find someone that isn't tied to either party who will end up you know, supporting one side or the other, but at least it gets out of the commission. You know, the legislature could also consider taking itself out of the approval process. California, Michigan, Arizona don't allow their commission plans to go to the legislature for approval. What the commission does becomes final. New York you know, might consider that, but doesn't have to. But what it has to do is, uh, is to change the way the votes are taken so that we avoid the, the current process where either side can just bollocks up the whole commission and keep the legislature from any role in redistricting, because that's not what the Constitution envisioned. And that was a big mistake of the court yesterday in removing the legislature from the remedial process. So that actually kind of leads me right into the last thing I wanted to talk about with you, Jeff, is um, the city of Syracuse redistricting process, which you're a consultant on and I've uh, been uh, you know, a volunteer for. Um, 
are there lessons that can be taken from that process and, and applied to the statewide level? I know we're still waiting to see what the outcome of that process is, but you know, I've been to those meetings where they're, they're not contentious, they're not partisan, they're random citizens that are seem to be out there wanting to do the, the work and not, and not uh, aid a party, uh, so to speak. Are, is there, you know, you talked about California, Michigan, Arizona with these independent commissions. Is, is the structure that's going on in Syracuse something that we can, you know, point to the legislature as a way to, to say, hey, this is the, the way to do this? Well, yes, there are a few things that make the Syracuse uh, example uh, stand out. First off, you only have five districts. You don't have 63 Senate or 150 Assembly or even just 26 congressional districts. So even dividing up uh, redrawing five districts is a challenge. But <clears throat> one thing we, that they cannot do in Syracuse is to consider or even know about the home addresses of the uh, members of the Common Council nor can they use political data to know whether uh, drawing a plan one way or another is gonna benefit or hurt a political party. I say this given the uh, the democratic majority you know, in Syracuse, but uh, uh, it's gotta be a nonpartisan plan because there's no partisan or incumbent material to work with, no data, can't use it. Also the city criteria uh, designates that you should use commonly understood boundaries, parks or boulevards or monuments that delineate where a line should be drawn. And the state legislature last year enacted a bill uh, that creates criteria, rank criteria, prioritized criteria for counties and cities and other localities to follow. So the legislature um, had criteria, they were not ranked and the court only bothered to consider one of them. The state criteria includes compactness, contiguity, minority voting rights, communities of interest, uh, not splitting small neighborhoods, and, and the city has to follow that criteria. So it's it's got much more constraints uh, surrounding it. <coughs> so yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to they're gonna they're gonna be uh, over the next few weeks releasing their draft maps and going into the draft map phase. So. Uh, well, I guess the proof will be in the pudding and how they come out. Yeah. I'll, I'll also add that the members of the Syracuse Commission were not picked by members of the city council or by the city government. They were all volunteers who came you know, from the public and were chosen in a, in a, you know, in, in a random lottery type manner of process of elimination, but they were chosen in a much different way. That's like the California Commission, right? Isn't that how? Exactly. California, even though it's statewide, they still have this random drawing and it worked well. Right. So, yeah. What, um, so I, you know, I always like to end these uh, interviews with uh, what, what haven't we talked about that you want people to know, either in Syracuse or around uh, about New York redistricting? What, what, what do you think we haven't touched on today that you think is pretty important for people to know? Maybe about? what redistricting results in, because what I've heard at the hearings in Syracuse are food deserts, lack of access to things, now, not knowing or working with any of the, you know, the, um, the nine members of the Common Council, I could just say that for those who are elected from some specific districts, the people who represent you, whether it's in City Hall or in Albany 
or in Washington are all based on redistricting. If you think that your representative at any level of government isn't doing a good job for your community, for your neighborhood, then that might be because the lines were drawn in a way that your neighborhood was just added to the wrong district. So I tell people, look outside your window, the schools, the streets, the hospitals, the senior centers, the uh, daycare, everything where government uh, has an impact on you is driven in part by redistricting, who votes on your budgets, who delivers your services. It's all based on how the lines are drawn. So maybe a short once in a decade process uh, with, a, you know, with a lot of, uh, as one Supreme Court decision called it, a lot of sociological gobbledygook, but it really matters. So it's worth taking the time to know about it <coughs> and to let the, uh, you know, the, the city commission or in the sense of congressional districts and state senate districts, the state court know what you think. Jeff, thank you so much uh, for coming on Zoom and Zarni again, and thank you for your expertise. And I'm sure once we get some final lines, uh, you know, we'll be talking online and, and, and try to figure this all out together. And I'd be, I'd be delighted. You probably have given me uh, some homework to do. I may have to take a drive up on May 6th to uh, Steuben County and, and give some testimony or at least send a letter by mail. We, uh, we are going to be very busy, so I'm not sure I can leave the office, but we're going to try. Uh, so thank you so much. And please remember, that uh, COVID is still a, a major part of our community, major part of all communities, but Onondaga County has one of the highest transmission rates in the nation. So please consider wearing a mask indoors uh, and wear a K95 mask or an N95 mask. These will protect you as well as protecting other people. And if you have not got vaccinated, if you not have got boosted, if, you if you're eligible to, but have not gotten your second booster yet, please, please make an appointment and do so. They're free, they're, and it's a miracle of modern medicine. And this is the only way that we're gonna have a uh, more normal summer. Uh, and it's starting to turn outside, it's starting to look beautiful. Um, if we don't want to have lockdowns, if we don't want to have rising hospitalization rates, we need to take care of each other and take care of yourself as well. So- I, I agree, I agree totally because I developed a very mild case of COVID. I've had my boosters. I've had my vaccines. I, I, I wear a mask, <coughs> but you've seen me coughing a few times. <coughs> That's from a very mild COVID case I had earlier in April. Wow. So yes, take your precautions because God forbid you get hit with the bug. It won't be bad, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. Uh, next week, I'll be talking... Uh, to Steve Romchowski, I think I'm uh, saying that right, of uh, Redistricting and You. Uh, it's a, a, um, a, a great website that is uh, going around the country, putting in redistricting data. <coughs> you know, we're kind of on the redistricting uh, kick here uh, as we're starting to try to figure out when these elections are going to be. So that'll be uh, next week. Please tune in. Uh, I didn't do a wonky Wednesday this week because the, the news broke on Wednesday of the redistricting. I will pick back up and doing a wonky Wednesday article uh, next week talking about the city of Syracuse or the, the county board of elections budgets. Uh, we released our budget numbers and how we did in 2021. Uh, so stay tuned and I will see you again. Bye bye. <laughs>